Today, you will meet a very versatile and creative percussion player. One who had the courage to craft his own style out of the many traditions he learned, including Egypt, Europe, India, Turkey, and Africa. He's a Grammy nominee and a world-renowned handpan player, and he's based in Berlin, Germany. Welcome, David Kuckermann. Thank you, Reinhard. Thanks for having me. Welcome to The Power of Rhythm, a podcast with your host, Reinhard Flatischler, around the one thing that connects us all. Rhythm. Yes, so I have <laughs> some questions for you. Um, did you uh, grow up in Germany or in Europe? Yeah, yeah. yeah I grew up in, in Germany, in the Northwest. So that's, you know, a very similar story to me. I grew up here too. So how did you get interested in percussion? Because that's, you know, not around everywhere. Mm. You know. So what was your path? I started playing piano when I was a kid. Um, the only other in my musician, the other, the only other musician in my family was my grandmother, who was an amazing pianist and church organ player. And so it was kind of, of a family thing. She she suggested that I start playing piano, but I didn't really get into it at the time. And then later I plan, I stopped playing after like two years. And then in my teenage years, I started playing bass in uh, gothic and death metal bands. That was my my scene at the time. Mm. And then I decided I want to be a musician, but I didn't really know which instrument I should choose because on piano I wasn't uh, I wasn't good enough, and um, I liked the bass, but not not as much that I wanted to dedicate my life to it, to playing a, a death metal um, and bass. So um, when I when I turned 18, my father, <coughs> as a birthday present, he gave me a weekend in Paris, and we went to the flea market there. And we had some money left over and uh, we bought two djembes. And he was in a kind of weekly drum circle at the time. And he showed me uh, like a rhythm. And I really, I really loved it. So I decided to look for a teacher uh, when I come back to my hometown. And that's what I did. And then I started playing conga drums. And then I wanted to do that. Um, but then I, got, I ran into some issues. I got the, the white finger syndrome. So my hands would get really cold while I play. And it was, I didn't really know how to solve that. And then actually I saw a concert of uh, your ensemble Megadrums. That was, I think, in Stuttgart in, man, must have been around 2000, somewhere around that time. And I saw Zakir and Glenn on stage and it just blew me away. So then from then on, I uh, discovered the world of finger drumming and first studied North Indian tabla and then later switched my focus to, to frame drumming and Iranian percussion. Mm -hmm. That was very curious because I was uh, going through the list of your teachers and what stood out for me was Ustad Fayez Khan because there's a Ustad Fayez Khan who is a great vocalist, but he <laughs> died in 1950. So how did you learn with him? Mm. Then I found out it's a tabla player. So how did you meet uh, those people? Like, okay, Glenn, you told us, but you know, uh, Rami Shotam and uh, Fayez Khan and Samani, where did you meet them? How did you mm, come to them and learn with them? Well, I went to, to the world music Con, um, conservatory in Rotterdam 
and I started studying music. And my main subject was North Indian tabla. So that's why I met Ustad Fayaz Khan. Mm-hmm. And um, all the others, I pretty much, I simply contacted them. I looked for, when I was interested in an instrument, I just looked for teachers online. I really liked those early days. I was very excited about the internet and all the new possibilities. And when I found a teacher that I that I really liked, I would simply write them an email. And that's how I got in touch with all of these guys, basically. <laughs> So what I personally like a lot on your music, your approach, is that you had the courage to create your own style and and not just playing patterns that you learned somewhere, you know. And um, great music grew out of this. Uh, I want to just, you know, give our listeners a taste of your music. And the tune is called The Beginning. What beginning is that? Um. Well, it's the first track of my uh, CD with Lisa Gerard. Uh. So it's the beginning of that album, for one. Um, and then, you know, I like about music that it's so abstract. So for me, it has a certain it has a certain feeling. The piece it's it's the beginning of something, but I can't even I can't even define it really concretely. So for everyone, maybe it can be can relate to some different kind of beginning. <laughs> Certainly the beginning of we are listening to your music right now.
beginning, music from David Kokaman, and we can hear already the handpan sound in it, and I would love to hear from you a little bit of the history of, you know, it all started, I think, with the hung from Panard, and then it's the abundance of handpans that arose, the, maybe the instrument history and your history with the instrument. So the hung was invented by um, Felix Rohner and Sabina Scherer in the year 2000 in Switzerland. And um, they, uh, it, the origin, um, well, for, before that they built, it, they built steel drums. And from that came the hung. And um, the hung, for a few years, it kind of flew under the radar. It was available in music stores, but it wasn't actually that, that popular. Um, and it was really easy to find if you wanted to get one. And then with um, the rise of YouTube and some people um, basking, playing on the street, at some point, the, the popularity really took off um, very, very quickly. And um, it was not so easy to, to actually find an instrument. And then other people started making them. Um, the, the first handpan maker, I think, was Kyle Cox in the States who built the Halo. And for a few years, there were only a handful. And at some point, it just kind of really crossed a certain threshold and it took off. And now there are like hundreds of handpan makers all over the world who build wonderful instruments And I saw the hung first, I think, in Rotterdam during my study years, during a guest performance of a percussionist who played a solo concert. And I wasn't really, I didn't really like the instrument at the point, to be honest. I, it sounded kind of boring and um, like a little bit samey. And um, I, I wasn't really, I, I didn't feel drawn to it. Uh, that happened many, many years later when I was touring in Chile with, a, uh, with an ensemble called Mishra. And some of the other guys, they had two hangs and they were part of the, of the, muse, of the um, repertoire of instruments. And I also played on them during the tour. And that's where I realized, wow, this is actually like a serious musical instrument if you, if you spend the time. And uh, yeah, from there, at some point, I think it was 2011, I really fell in love with it. And I just didn't want to stop uh, practicing and playing anymore. And also it opened the door for composing. And um, that was something I was missing before in my musical life. Of course, I was playing percussion solos and composing percussion solos, which is really wonderful thing in itself, but it's still something different. I was kind of missing these qualities of melody and harmony and the, the handpans are such a wonderful way to integrate these into your repertoire. If you come from, any kind of percussive background. Yeah, there are actually two uh, sitting right behind you for our <laughs> listeners yeah, when they yeah. see you. Yeah. Uh, what uh, type of um, handpans or hang are you playing? Are you have you a certain brand or are you playing everything? Or hmm. I, I play a few different ones. I have one original hang, and um, then I have um, uh, a few instruments from a Russian maker that were built around 2012, like the one sitting there. And I use that one uh, when I record for my courses because it's, it's kind of a, a very, very beautiful instrument, but it has a basic layout. And nowadays when I compose, then 
I, I like to play kind of ex instruments with extended range. Um, mm -hmm. I have some beautiful Ishama Pantams oh, yeah. from uh, Jonathan Barr. Uh, he's an Israeli maker and um, those instruments are just fantastic. And there are other wonderful makers as well who keep pushing the boundaries of how many notes you can put on the instrument, exploring different sounds. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really wonderful time now for that. Actually, you composed um, a hand-pan piece called Old Sea. Uh, what's the Old Sea? <laughs> okay, so my then-girlfriend, now wife, Milena, spent half a year in South America. And while she was there, I organized two handpans for us from Jonathan. They were like matching instruments with matching scales. And when I picked her up, we took four weeks of traveling around in South America. That was, I think, three years ago, three, four years ago. And there, there was a hostel where we stayed. Uh, and the hostel was called The Old Sea, um, the Spanish equivalent. I, I don't remember uh, what the phrase was right now. But um, yeah, the translation was the old sea. And we had such a wonderful time at this hostel and worked on this composition there. And we also recorded it on the beach right next to, the, to this hostel. Um, we have a video of it. And that's where the name came from, the old sea. Beautiful. So let's listen to the old sea.
Old Sea from David Kuckerman. Now we come to some hardcore questions. For example, uh, if you meet someone who is not playing music, not actively playing music, you uh, want to explain to him what is the feeling of being in the groove? What would you say? Wow, the feeling of being in the groove. Yes. I have to think about that for a second. Yeah, that's cool, of course. I think it's the place... Well, this... this This can be inter this question can be interpreted in so many different ways. In like if I play music and I play with others, then I would describe that feeling as the space where it feels most restful in relation to your surrounding, where you don't feel rushed, where you don't feel uncomfortable, where you just feel connected to everybody else. That's a very good one. You have another one too? <laughs> well, I mean Because it's really interesting. You're just bringing it out now. This is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you could also think about it as being in groove with life or with yourself or being in the, in the flow of creating or of playing music. Um, I guess for me, it, it feels similar to being in the flow, like to be at a state of, of being content and maybe happy and at peace with your surroundings and enjoying whatever you're doing and focus, focusing on that. So um, from what you say, it's a quite um, intense, wonderful state. What has percussion or you know, en your engagement with percussion done for your personal life? I mean, I would not be who I am if not for percussion. I would not probably not be a musician maybe maybe i would be but i would i would have a completely different life i mean it has enriched my life in so many countless ways i, I don't even know where to start like i i look forward to work to work every day when i wake up it's such a wonderful thing for me you know like being able to to make a living through this, well, you can call it work. You can also, I don't know, it, it doesn't even feel like work. It's just what I love to do also. So it's just given me this life, I would say. Actually, very nice uh, answers, you know, because they're coming right out of the moment. You didn't know that I will ask you that. So. <laughs> Now, um, another one that's really, um, when I listen to, what's out from your music. I came across one thing that you are fluently playing a nine beat. Now, you know that um, you might have heard Takatina that I have created. So for Takatina, it's very easy. When I heard this, it's Taki Taki Gamala Taki. But how uh, did you, uh, you know, learn? to fluently play in odd rhythms like nine beat cycles, 11 beat cycles or whatever. What was your way? That was a long process, I'd say. Like I remember when I, when I started studying, as for most people, it was a very strange and foreign world for me, the world of odd meters. A um, little bit uncomfortable, I'd say. 
Um, and then through studying Indian music and Arabic music, Middle Eastern Arabic music, uh, Turkish music, I just started playing them. And over the years, you get more comfortable with them, I think. That is the kind of part that happens just through over time and through through playing. And then I, um, well, I took lessons with Glenn, with Glenn Velez. And um, you probably know his hand dance method as well, which is, I think, has quite a lot of parallels to the Takitina work. Mm -hmm. So um, he taught me that method and I worked a lot with that. And I still work a lot with that with all of my students nowadays. I think it's such an amazing tool to develop sense of rhythm and comfort in unusual meters. Mm -hmm. Now, let's uh, listen to one of these things you put out there. And it's Taki Taki Gamala Taki. It's on the cajon and you're playing two cajons. It's really nice. Taki Gamala Taki Gamala Taki. beat groove David Kokerman I really love it because when I started percussion um, anything beyond 6-8 or 4 was kind of non-existent uh, unless it was in a traditional uh, Indian system or so but more and more creative percussion players bring this abundance back you know that has gone away Awesome. Yeah, I didn't even remember that one. That, that's, uh, <laughs> you must have found it on my older YouTube videos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going through it and studying a little bit. And it really, you know, it hit me because it's really fluent. It's uh, clearly not someone who's counting in the background, you know, and, the, and that's the beauty. So how are you living through the crazy times we are in right now? <laughs> well, you know, all our lives uh, 
change, no? I mean, uh, yeah, I had like a two long tours uh, scheduled with Dead Can Dance and they were both canceled and all other concerts and workshops as well. I'm very lucky that I have my online school mm. and um, that's been supporting us throughout these uh, uh, strange times. Um, so on, on that front, I'm just so grateful that... Uh, I'm I'm in a good spot and I don't struggle like many other musicians just paying my rent or uh, supporting my family. So um, yeah, I'd say it's it's been relatively good for for me and for us. We, I have a little daughter and of course taking care of her becomes a different challenge when the the kitas like open and close every week. Kind of you never know um, how it goes. So you have a little bit less time at hand and you spend more time with the family. But altogether, um, of course, I miss some things, but I, I don't mind being by myself working in the studio. It's, I kind of always enjoy that a lot. And I, I try to focus on that in, in these times and to use them creatively. So um, I'd say um, we, cope, we cope well. <laughs> it doesn't feel like suffering. It's, it's just a different kind of, of time. Um. If you had enough money to uh, create whatever event you would like to, I mean, musical event or something mm -hmm. like um, with groups or with gatherings, what would it be? I think <sighs> it's an interesting question. I think it's, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be about a gathering or like a, a moment it would be about creating a space for creating and learning music that's kind of an open space for um for anybody who wants to join in in like the spirit of dedicating a chapter of your life to to music and then teaching learning creating music composing in this kind of environment and opening it up for uh for students and fellow travelers so to speak i think that would be a nice thing to realize that's great david i thank you very much for your time i thank you very much for your music that you um allowed us to listen to now where can our listeners find you on the web uh you can um go to handpandojo.com um, or to worldpercussion.net um, or you can just put my name into YouTube or Google or whichever search engine of your choice and you will find uh, all the things I do. Maybe my YouTube channel is a good place to start. Thank you so much. It was really nice meeting you finally, talk to you. And also to our listeners, please check David out. He has a lot to offer in various realms and hand drums, you know, and cajon and, of course, all the beautiful hand pans. If you like our podcast, you know, go to powerofrhythm.com forward slash podcast. Leave a comment if you like and let me know whom you want to uh, have on our show. For today, I wish you a great time. And don't forget, keep on grooving.